today my special special guest is oh, my own special. brother who would love to introduce himself <laughs> it's that leading that makes me feel that i've got to do the supermarket sweep introduction you can do any introduction you want just as long as you introduce yourself i'm your brother and i'm called jack thank you there you go that's great yeah yeah, he's he's very sleepy. It's all the information we found anybody out he's, needs. He's rather allergic to cats. The thing is, our voices are so similar; <laughs> you can't distinguish between. You could just <coughs> you could just say it by yourself. Yeah. He's tired. He's allergic to cats. This entire thing is just like one waking fever dream. <laughs> hey up! I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is consistently eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history. Focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... Today's story begins in the Victorian era. Even you know the Victorian era. Yes. Yes. So the 1800s. Mm-hmm. The three words yep. to bear in mind. Wheel. 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 Dust. Yeah. <laughs> and goblin. A, a Wheel. Wheel, dust, and goblin. What are we talking about? Oh, Any ideas? I'm, I'm feeling like some creepy sideshow thing going on. Ooh. Anyway. Okay. I, I imagine the, the whole Victorian era is dusty. <laughs> One big creepy sideshow. <laughs> I don't know what you'd do with all the dust at that point. Roll up and see the elephant man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what you do with all the... Well, they were producing a hell of a lot of it. That's what the smog was. <laughs> <coughs> We've weaponized dust. <laughs> Watch your children die. The first time a hoover was used. Uh, so... Everything just got a lot cleaner. <laughs> Abraham Booth was doing well for himself. Abby Booth, yeah. He was a middle-class Victorian timber merchant. Nice. Who have five sons? Five sons. Any any daughters? No, he was too virile for that. Yeah. Son of a gun. He spent all of his days chopping up wood. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> into nice boards. Yeah, that was his job. And a sixth son was on the way. So well done. Nice. Yeah. How old is he at this point? About twelve. Started young. They did at that time. No, he was in his forties. Right. Okay. What? Well, bit, <clears throat> bit more descriptive. I want to see this one. We don't... This is not... This is radio, not TV. Yeah, but they've got to make an image in the minds. Abraham Booth... You don't have to describe him in complete detail, but just a few things where... Okay, I imagine he wore... How do you see? A shirt and braces, (laughs) but no jacket. He had a head. He didn't wear a jacket at any time. He was balding, but he had that sort of halo of hair that he was still desperately hanging on to. The monk cut. And he overcompensated for the lack of hair with a massive, glorious beard. One of those that starts just below your eyes. Yeah. And then, and it ends at your chest. <laughs> you have no idea whether... It doesn't even end. It just it starts there. And then it, it, it's like a... It's it like turns a, into a chest rug. Yeah. Yeah. He's very virile. Yeah. Okay. Like Austin Powers. Yeah, a little bit like... If you imagine a, a slightly taller, more muscular Austin, Austin Powers with, with a, bald, a bald pate. There we go. Yeah. And a monocle. Okay. I'm just throwing the monocle in okay. there. Well, you're, you're going a bit steampunk. Am I? Yeah, he also had a mechanical arm because the first one got ripped off in a lumber accident. It went through the uh, buzzsaw. So Which he just, was horse-drawn. Yeah, horse-drawn <laughs> buzzsaw that he just, he just whipped up another steam-powered appendage. Yeah. 
Hubert Cecil Booth Herbie was born in Gloucester on the 4th of July 1871 Cecil Booth Cecil Booth Booth okay. yeah he, he would have the same surname as his father right, so he's very tweedy isn't he he was he was mechanically minded and there was only so long supposed to be. <laughs> that the ordering and soaring of raw lumber could hold his interest he had he had bigger dreams he wanted to work on microchips, didn't he? Yes, that's what he wanted to do he in 1871. He didn't have the words. <laughs> his headmaster saw his talent. And he put... <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah. And after enjoying him for a good five to six years, oh, he... he noticed he started to grow downy hair up on his chest <laughs> and he encouraged him to apply for the Central Technical College in London. He passed the entrance exam. And three years later, graduated second in his class and joined the Institution of Civil Engineers. So what's the cutting edge of technology at this point? Mm, uh, steam power. Mm. Um, well, uh, you're... It's Tesla and Edison coming along. Yeah, in America. Yeah. They're having their fight. Um, well, this is the time of Ada Lovelace, so you would have had a difference engine, theoretically, and the first computer programs. Right. Babbage was around. Isambard Kingdom Brunel! Do you want to expand on this? What Isambard? I'm 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 speaking for the listeners. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you just said about what Babbage. Babbage. <laughs> Babbage was the guy who invented um, a difference engine. So he basically invented the first computer. Okay. And Ada Lovelace, who was the daughter of um, God, syphilitic um, Alfred Lord Tennyson. Syphilitic Alfred Lord Tennyson, as he was known, Siffy to his friends. Um, great title. Was was his uh, was her father? She died very young, but she was considered a genius and the very first computer programmer before computers were a thing. I mean, that is hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm creating software. Where's the hardware? Uh, <laughs> it'll be a long. They'll catch up. <laughs> They'll catch up to me, but unfortunately. I'll have wasted away like women of this age do. <laughs> I'll have coughed a little bit of blood into a <laughs> white, into my white hanky. kerchief, <laughs> sighed a little, and then fainted. And I'll never get up again. Well, she was absolutely kick-ass. But he's a civil engineer, which in the Victorian right, so times is, um, meant steel and iron. Mr. Booth, Cedar Booth. What's his name? Cecil Mrs. Booth. Hubert Cecil Booth. Cecil Booth. Herbie. You can so call what's, him Huey. What's, what's he look like? Does he feature heavily in all this? Yeah, actually, so let's, give him, let's give him a description. We have pictures of him. I'll show you a picture afterwards. He looks exactly from the pictures that we have. I've seen Stephen Merchant in my head. Okay, from the pictures we have later on, he looks exactly like a sort of older humanitarian's professor. Okay. So Tweed, you're not far off. Yeah. That sort of ki- a kindly granddad, a thinner kindly granddad. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of look you're going for. I imagine even at 21, he would look like a, a sort of thin, kindly granddad. Smokes with, a pipe. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who would definitely smoke a pipe. At 21, he got his first job with Maudsley Sons and Field. So they, they were civil engineers yeah. in Lambeth in London. Yeah. Hubert was helping design things. Didn't really matter what. Some bridges because that's what civil engineers do above all else. You've got to build a good bridge. He's doing a bit of an internship at the moment. Mm. He's, he's an apprentice. But it, he also designed some engines for some British Navy ships. So, you know, it's was, it was a very portfolio. Search engines. Yeah, search engines. As He'd uh, collaborated with Ada Lovelace to yeah. create the first one. It's amazing what people do, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
This was this was way before Google, and they never got the credit. <laughs> then, Ooh. then, the company received a commission to design Ferris wheels. Did Ferris wheels exist before this point? Uh, yeah, the original wheel in Chicago had been designed and built by George Washington Gale Ferris. That's a strong name. I'm starting to see why they're called Ferris wheels. Yeah, the, the, the Gale wheels. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> sounds, sounds slightly more scary. So there's, there's some parents who really wanted their son to do something great. We will name him after the first president of the United States. Gale wheels. Fun fact about um, George Washington. When they asked him what he wanted as um, payment yeah. to be the president... He asked for ten percent of the national income and got it. Jesus! So he, rather than take a flat salary, he asked for ten percent of what America as a country made, and they agreed to pay him that. Fuck he yeah. was the richest man on earth by quite a way. Savvy. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like um, what's his face? He was in the original Star Wars, and he didn't take a pay. He just wanted a, a cut of the uh, merchandising. Ben Kingsley. How did he? Uh, Whoever played Obi Wan Kenobi, he ben re- Kingsley. Oh, it wasn't Ben Kingsley. Who was it? <laughs> Gandhi. <laughs> no, who was it who played Obi Wan Kenobi in the first film? Oh Christ! That old bloke. Yeah, yeah. He I, he, I don't... he said he just wanted um, a cut. Lord of, of the Rings. I'd, I'd smash it out. He wanted a cut of what Star Wars made in terms of merchandising, <laughs> and it was the most savvy thing he ever did. Yeah. Sorry, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> so like, it's something like that. It's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those actors. Just throw out an actor name. <laughs> so, he created it for um, the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. That was a good fair, wasn't it? Yeah. And he said he wanted to create something that would be bigger and better than the Eiffel Tower. That was his thing. So he'd created this Ferris wheel. He'd also got a Sadat like Henry Cecil Booth designing bridges so that was nice cool but he died in 1896 after the original wheel was a complete commercial failure no one wanted to go on it they're not ready so by the time Henry's being asked would you would you want to go on it he doesn't have to worry about copyright infringement he's got he's allowed to make Ferris wheels so he designed wheels no one else at the company wanted to do this job is he he calling them Ferris wheels yeah Right, he's not calling them. The name stuck. He's not calling them Hubert Wheels. <laughs> Sessie Wheels. Sessie Wheels. <laughs> Booth's Wheels. <laughs> the round. The roundest wheel you'll see. Booth's. No, so he designed wheels in London, Blackpool, Vienna, and finally in Paris. With a 106 metre tall... Grand Rue de Paris, which I think means the big wheel of Paris. My French isn't great, but I think it's the big wheel of Paris. I feel like something's going to go wrong here. This was in 1900. Yeah, because that wheel isn't there anymore. Uh, That Ferris wheel would hold the record as the world's tallest Ferris wheel for nearly 90 years. Jesus. Yeah, until in 1990, they built a tall one in Japan. And when I say taller, it was only 1.5 metres taller it was a bit of a shitty thing to do. It's the tallest by less than a human. So they just demolished it. Is it still there? No, it was demolished in the 1920s. 
But how is it demolished in ninety? 19- right. Okay. I understand. So- Right, so no one built anything big. What do you mean? How was it demolished in the 1920s? I think it's amazing that it survived World War One, considering what <laughs> happened to France. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need you to do recon. I'll go up in the wheel. <laughs> yeah, I can see them. No, they're the, on the way. The, the way you the way you described it. I the thought, Germans are coming. I thought it stood there till 1990. <laughs> what? Just the wheel? Yeah, I did. Uh, it held the record till the. Yeah, 90. it held the record. Nothing bigger had been there. No, right, okay. it had been taken down in the 1920s, and the pods were so big that after the second world war they were used as temporary accommodation and pop-up shops oh and some of them are still used as pop-up shops to this day in paris mm. that's how big the pods were big pods so you know he's in his 20s he's already a world record holder he's designed the world's biggest ferris wheel yeah yeah which ironically stood right next to the eiffel tower you know the uh, the, the, the the timber merchant hmm? um austin powers what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, his dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Abraham Booth. Right, that was his dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> was he the sixth son? He was the sixth son right, of Abraham okay. Booth, yes. So he had five oh, strapping me, sons. <laughs> five strapping sons who went into the lumber business and presumably were also wearing the braces with, and I'm assuming, the, some kind of string vest yeah, yeah, yeah. and a stovepipe hat. Well, I'd like to imagine that. Yeah. And, you know, they were into dad's business. So, he, you know, Hubert was able to go away. Right. He's able to do it. Okay. So he's this amazing Ferris wheel designer, and you know that that's that's a life. And he's done it so early. Yeah, I mean he's made he's he's made oh, his way all designing. around Europe, enjoying designing you know round things structures <laughs> that rotate slowly and bridges and bridges. He's made some bridges, yeah. So at the height of his late Victorian Ferris wheel boom, yeah, top of his game. He had an experience that would change his life and the course of his life forever. He would never build another Ferris wheel. It's done. He attended a demonstration of a new cleaning machine called the Mechanical Aspirator in the Empire Music Hall. Is this a Hoover? Well, it had been designed by an American to clean rail cars and it worked a bit like a leaf blower. So it blew dust at high speed. I was right with the Hoover at the, it blew at, dust at at high the top speed. of the show. <laughs> but it, it blew it rather optimistically towards a small box that it hoped would collect it. It was not very effective. This was passed as entertainment. He went to a music hall to see this. There was nothing going a on. A guy had him. come all the way from St. Louis, Missouri <laughs> to London and had managed to sell out a music hall demonstrating a leaf blower with a box on the end. <laughs> it's piercingly loud. You have to imagine. <laughs> with a three-man team shoveling coal. <laughs> oh, God. At either end. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, Hubert, he had a moment of inspiration, Hit and me. he approached the inventor and asked if he'd ever thought of having the air sucking into the device rather than blowing it out because he thought that might make it more efficient at actually collecting the dust yeah, he's got other ideas the man replied that suction had been tried plenty of times it didn't work which was weird because early mechanical two man suction cleaning machines had already been demonstrated up to 30 years earlier and when I say two man there was normally someone working a bellows there's two men sucking on a pipe. <laughs> there's, there's one person sort of moving it around while another one blows like Billy Edwards and bellows. There was one that was amazing. It looked a lot like a seesaw. 
Right. And one of you would hold the thing while the both of you were working at the seesaw. <laughs> Get a third man. Well, <laughs> they're trying to sell it for, you know, the you housewife. Know, you know, you just house- miss the obvious answer. <laughs> Get a man, no. You- it's like, a third man would really speed us up. <laughs> I mean, I can't complain about the suction, but your cleaning pattern's very erratic. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be everywhere. So Hubert, he couldn't let it go. Yeah. He thought about the problem for a few days. And then, while having a meal with friends at a fancy London hotel, an idea crystallised in his head. It's fine. Robert Brush walks in. The oh. brand new <laughs> Hubert dropped to his knees, placed his handkerchief over his mouth. Yeah. And began sucking, suffocating. Su- began sucking hair <laughs> through it as he rubbed his mouth over the red velvet seat that he'd just been sitting on. He's a dirty boy. I like to think that he did not explain any of these actions <laughs> to the people he was eating with. He just went, yes! <laughs> he dropped to his knees and began furiously sucking at this seat through a handkerchief. So, he was able to collect so much dust on the fabric of his handkerchief that it turned from white to black. He also began choking rather violently <laughs> on the floor of this restaurant. I bet people started cheering. His friends... He's figured it out! His friends still had no idea what was going on. <laughs> With the addition of a cloth filter mm. to catch the dirt, Hubert went on to patent his new invention, the vacuum cleaner, the very same year. Fucking, I'm, I'm starting to see where the Herbert's coming I know it's Henry. (laughs) Yeah. So, Henri. It used, his vacuum cleaner, a five horsepower petrol powered piston pump to draw air through the cloth. It was also so big that it needed to be pulled by a horse, taking the total power of the machine to six horsepower. Ah, so is this. Does it sit outside? So you you wheel this thing around, Mm. dragged by the horse. Yeah, and so then, it's, it's and a then machine. You stick a big hose through someone's front door yeah. and wander around like that. You've pretty much got it. I so got basically, it. <laughs> he envisioned that houses would be cleaned by long, flexible hoses that could be inserted by the windows by a team of trained professionals. And they do this regularly for a membership fee. So you paid a regular fee, and on a regular route, these people pulling this gigantic petrol powered hoover would come around. And would clean your house via the windows. Mm. And then would move off. Oh, it was a bad day for uh, dust mites, wasn't it? Yeah. In order to drum up business, he offered to use his new invention, which he nicknamed the Puffing Billy. Ooh. Nice. To clean a London restaurant for free. He invited members of the press and the audience gathered, because this is Victorian London, and apparently you will pay good money to go and see people God, trying to clean nothing things. nothing going on, was there? So the idea of a free cleaning show... You can imagine, it was like six deep. What would have to be happening down the road for you to go... (laughs) (laughs) Now? Yeah. How how big would something have to... When the Olympic torch went past the end of um, Lineker Street, I only saw it in passing because I just couldn't be arsed. (laughs) Really? I was getting into the Suzuki to drive off somewhere, and I was like, oh, look, there goes the Olympic torch. Right, so that's... That was... 20 metres. Yeah, that was. I, I couldn't be asked walking 20 metres to see the Olympic torch past the end of our road. I, that was too much effort for me. So, to return to the question, I also, what would have to happen? Well, 
I was I had a free evening and the money and I chose not to drive to Manchester to see Prince do a show at the Academy. Oh my god. Because it was a bit too much of a ball ache. <laughs> <laughs> I regret that every single day, but to be honest, Prince What's he up to nowadays? <laughs> well he's been quiet for a few years now. Yeah, he's a hurry up yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean for the, at least the last ten studio albums, did you even know that they were released? I know Purple Rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much yeah, it, isn't it? it? So, yeah. Nicknamed the Puffin Billy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's see the other one. All agreed that it's Puffin Billy. Oh, that, that shit cleaned well. Fuck, that sucks. Yeah, because what you've got to remember is Victorian-era industrialisation, for the first time, people, even like you and me, you know, the poor, could afford upholstered furniture. I stopped... Sub- they could afford Stop putting rugs. me in with you. <laughs> Before this time, me and you would have had wicker wooden furniture. Stop banding us together like yeah. we're equals. <laughs> yeah, I'm so much better than you. But this was the first time that poor people would have cloth to clean. You know, curtains and shit. Yeah, yeah. And all they had to clean was to take it out and beat it. So that's it was, all they had. better before they could afford these um, yeah. s- soft furnishings. And... Well, they could afford the soft furnishings, but they couldn't afford the maids that you'd need to constantly be fighting the dust that's what I'm saying it yeah, was, better so it was, when it was terrible for people eating rice off a slab but now they're seeing this is this is the first time that you can eat uh, eat this is the first rice. time you can eat the dust <laughs> with a hoover yeah but not a hoover because it's a vacuum cleaner so Hubert then sat back membership after, fees yeah it's like a subscription Spotify he sat back and waited for the customers to begin contacting him yeah. so he's, he's shown it what it can do and he's like people are definitely going to call me they're going to want they're going to want in on this. Call at this point? Yeah, no. Telegram, Telegram him. Yeah. Send him a letter. Write to him in dispatches in the newspapers. There's plenty of ways. Go round to his house. Yeah, stop him in the street. Stop it. I mean, hey there. Hey there, Sessie. <laughs> <laughs> I like your puffing billy. <laughs> Why don't you bring your big red puffing billy around my house? <laughs> Extend your hose through my dowels, through my drapes. Um, Oh, and make me feel don't be crass. <laughs> I'm just saying. This is a s- serious story. <laughs> just insert your hose through my mullioned windows. Oh, mullioned, what a good word. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. Ooh, the author. <laughs> so, he's waiting for people to contact him. And they do. No one cares. That's it, isn't it? No one gives a shit about dust. Because they all work in a factory. He was contacted by members of the royal family who wanted him to use his new invention to clean the carpets of Westminster Abbey in preparation for the coronation of King Edward VII. That's so a big gig. His first paid gig uh, is a royal commission to clean Westminster Abbey. Has he got Has he got the stones for that? Oh, you know sessie has got the stones. <laughs> <laughs> He's the son of a lumber merchant. Oh, he has, yeah. <laughs> With a beard so long, it eventually becomes pubes. <laughs> Same one's in that, is it? <laughs> they must have been impressed because they later commissioned him for static versions of the Puffing Billy to be installed in Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, and the Houses of Parliament. So they installed it. in the basement. They installed a version of the Puffing Billy with pipes that went all around, so you could just insert and do it that way. Was it as efficient? It was his yeah. second album. And Americans, Americans still use this system today. You'll have a central vacuum in the in the basement. 
that'll be um, emptied by a company regularly, and you just basically plug a nozzle attachment into pipes that run around the house. Really? Yeah. So you just, mm, hotels use it as well, a lot of hotels. But he invented it. The cost of each of these static editions of the Puffin Billy was around £2,000. Which in today's money is £38 million. No, oh. it's a quarter of a mil. Which ain't bad, that is folding money. Per? Per. Per. Per, so per. <clears throat> just from the Royals, he's got nearly a million. Nice. In folding money. Oh, in today's money, it's a million. Yeah. So it's fuck all. <laughs> no, that's... To be honest, if you'd launched... If you launched a company with a new product and in the first year you got a royal seal of approval and you made a million... Yeah. You know, even the dragons would be impressed. You wouldn't even need the dragons. You wouldn't, well, you wouldn't need the dragons first off, yes, but they'd be like... They'd be falling over themselves to get 5% of that business. With the royal seal of approval, the upper classes were keen to pay Hubert's British Vacuum Cleaner Company... Yeah. The sum of £13 per year to be visited by a bright red puffing billy on a regular basis. That was about the equivalent of a scullery maid. Right. So what he was literally, what he was actually doing was putting maids out of business. Right. And it also meant that those poor people who had the upholstery, they couldn't, they couldn't afford this. This, right. was, a, this was a rich toy. This yeah. was still at the, the top end. The well-to-do were so proud of using the service that they would arrange tea parties for their friends that would coincide with the well-dressed workers from the Puffing Billy operating the hoses around them. Yeah. repeat it. No, of oh. course there was. You could go to a tea party where people would clean things in and your you, general you vicinity. You know there's people gasping and fucking fainting and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that some people, when the hose was first inserted, they just fell to the floor. And you know the exhaust of that motor is blasting into the room. <laughs> I imagine it's blasting directly into the horse's face. We got through so many horses. <laughs> yeah. Despite needing to pay regular fines as a result of noise complaints and blocking the highway and the frightening of the horses of Hackney cabs, yeah. the British Vacuum Cleaner Company continued to make massive profits. And I'm not going to say they cleaned up. Oh, Christ. I can't even believe you did. You Didn't got say that. I can't even speak. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> Why would you do this? It's too obvious a joke. So, you know, you got to spend a little bit of money to make money. Fines. Yeah. Quiffle. No problem. Then Hubert was arrested. Ooh. Sorry, you're just sipping. Keep the tension building. Can I have a guess? Are you going to throw it to me? Why has yeah. he been arrested? Yeah, why has he been arrested? He's, right. he's an upstanding business. Is, he, uh, is there any clues in the story? That <laughs> it's directly to do with what he's been doing up to this point, yeah. Hoover business. No, vacuum cleaner business. Okay. Um, oh, what's he been doing with all the dust? Am I, am I close? Whilst... Whilst one of his operators was cleaning the Royal Mint, because they got the commission to clean the bloody Royal Mint, they sucked up a significant amount of silver dust into the filter of the machine and drove off without emptying it. So they basically made away with quite a quantity of silver. Fucking hell. Why is there silver dust? Because they're making coins out of silver. 
Oh, right, I'm thinking of... So as they're doing it, all this is falling, they're hoovering up the silver dust. And then he forgot to empty the filter, which I'm sure... Is he the man on the scene at that point? Well, he was arrested because it's his company. He's liable. Uh, The matter was quickly resolved, and he was released from custody. (laughs) (laughs) He was released from custody. Oh, I've I've got stories about hangings later. God, we were terrible at it. We were terrible at it. (laughs) Hanging. Considering we did a lot of it, it's like we gave it to the... The, the person who was the hangman in British history for the longest time was like the village drunk who just didn't mind doing it. Because often it was done, you know, within You've got to allow communities. a crazy person that's, not, that's already off the deep end. <laughs> but is that <laughs> the person you want who's trying to do the calculation for making sure that it's long enough so you don't slowly strangle to death, but not so long that your head pops off like a champagne cork? <laughs> like, that's the way I'd want to go. <laughs> I'd rather that than the, the, what the breaking of the neck and... No, the breaking of the neck, you die instantly. You hope. Well, you, I mean, you can't really ask them afterwards, I suppose. Goldilocks he, scenario. <laughs> Hubert, give it too hot. Hubert was not... I'll eat hung. it cold. It all got sorted out. He gave back the dust. But other troubles were on the horizon. How do they know how much dust? They do, I'm, I'm guessing he just... He just given them a handful. Just This is how much we got. I mean, what you actually... I don't know. Is the answer. <laughs> I, <laughs> Joe, I research these. I love how I, I'm just sorry. <laughs> I'm just asking you questions. That you, there's no way you'd know the answer. <laughs> the, the, do you know what? And there was much? 16 kilograms of dust. That's what I'm hoping you'd see. Yeah. Just, just stab in the dark. Which, in today's money, if you melted it all down and made it into ingots, would be 64 ingots. Hell, that's a lot of ingots. Yeah, it's a lot of ingots, and it would be worth at least three trillion pounds. And he, he drove off with that. He drove off with that on his horse. <laughs> well, in 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 his puffing billy. Yeah, it was the perfect crime. But other troubles, like I say, were on the horizon. So in 1907, in America, mm. a man named William Henry Hoover began producing upright domestic vacuum cleaners. He didn't invent this, though. He bought the pattern rights from his cousin's husband, a janitor with asthma, whose inventiveness was a necessity in order to be able to keep his job. And that man's name was James Murray Spangler. So we shouldn't be calling them Hoovers, we should be calling them Spanglers. Spanglers, which would be better. Get the Spangler out! I like that. Yeah, and it wouldn't be a Henry Hoover, it'd be a Murray Spangler. It wouldn't be the uh, little one with the face on. A Murray Spangler. <laughs> a Murray. Yeah. Where's Murray? Good old Murray. Oh, fuck. Who forgot to empty Murray? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame. So It's not the most all, dynamic name. All Murray, Henry Hoover was, was an entrepreneur who saw a good idea, saw that, you know, his cousin's husband was a janitor and as such wasn't making a lot of money mm. and went I'll pay you a pittance for that for the rights to build that and then made a shit ton of money so Henry Hoover's a dick yeah but I mean he kept him in inhalers isn't it I, we, we don't know no he, he died with what an inhaler related accident when so, somebody <laughs> when he started fighting to try and get a, a share of that sweet Henry Hoover money uh, somebody replaced uh his asthma medication with strychnine and he inhaled it directly yeah. it was just one of those no sad, sad accidents that often happens yeah. when you go against a big company Hubert responded by launching 
Goblin domestic vacuum cleaners. Forgot about the goblins. Yeah. In 1926, but the sheer amount of competitors by that point and the constant refinement of vacuum technology meant that he was never able to reach the same levels he had before. Mm. So the, the goblin vacuum lasted till the 80s, the 90s. Goblins. You can still buy them. I believe they're making a comeback now. Now shark, mate. Wet vac. Love them. Yeah, well... I have a Dyson, <clears throat> personally. Ah. Yeah. Then, in a very left-field move... That's all that, that, that warranted. Yeah. Ah. Ah, well. And you guys. Think, what do you guys have at home? Having, well, having lived no, in... allow them to think. Having lived in Malmesbury, where the Dyson Innovation Centre is... Yeah. All I can say is, goddamn, it ruined the picturesque village that was Malmesbury. Is it really loud? No, it's just this brand new estate down the other side of the hill. It's I was just, just imagining like a thousand hoovers being tested. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, noon and night. Yeah. <laughs> so clean. <laughs> Spotless, not... that factory. God, it's a shithole, this Malmesbury. It's loads of rich people who don't clean because they used to have sermons <laughs> three generations ago and since then they've refused to learn. have lost the motor skills. Yeah. <laughs> 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 They're just talking vowel with, sounds. With flaccid hands. Okay. It's hard to get it out through that massive chin. <laughs> so, in 1990... 1990- I hope your listenership is just small. People Mom's Mom's <laughs> so, in, 1993, in 1933, yeah. company's not doing as well. Which company are we talking about? This is the Goblin Company. Where's Dyson? Not yet born. Is he not? No. Oh, he's going to clean up, though, isn't he? Oh, I've done it now. <laughs> You've done it now. I did it by accident. Oh, forgive me, Jesus. So what do you do? You've got an ailing, you've got an ailing vacuum cleaner company, mm-hmm. British made. So obviously, by, you know, in between the wars, the quality is not going to be great. Mm. What do you do? I just pack up. No, no, no. What you do is you buy a of the patent to produce an alarm clock that also makes cups of tea. Oh my god! The goblin tea's made. Is that where tea's made came from? The goblin tea's made was made. Have you, ha- have you ever had? Have you ever had a cup of tea from a tea's made? I used to own a goblin tea's made. No, you didn't. Is I this did. How you stumbled on the story? No. I, I, you were googling goblin tea's made. Really. I was not googling goblin tea's made. I was looking at British inventors, <laughs> and I came across Hubert. But oh, it was just you're looking just, at sexy British inventors. <laughs> sexy British inventors. Mm. God, that's the no. I he made they produced the goblin teas made because if you produce vacuum cleaners, of course you're also going to make an alarm clock that produces cups of tea. That's, hand in hand, the two yeah, things yeah. are just now, they lead on. And I they're making a comeback. The goblin teas made. Just make a fucking tea. You can buy one. It takes half a second. Yeah, but there's something great about your alarm going off, and you can smell. That kind of weird plasticky brew, yeah, of water that's been sat cold in in you know a plastic sort of hopper overnight, suddenly being superheated and fed into. You know what? I, I just leave. I get you know them big like gravy, mm. um, huge industrial pots of water. Mm. You just fill one of them with water and stick it on the hob before you go to bed. And then that's a massive waste of money. So you're saying you you leave the hob on all night? Yeah, and by the time <laughs> so you, you, wake you burn up, gas the entire night. Well, don't pick holes in it. I mean, I'm, I'm not just, picking holes in I'm it. That's a lot of money. 
And then by the time you wake up in the morning, there's enough water left. You just have a beautiful <laughs> Unless you have a lie-in, in which case you burn away all the water, the bottom of the pan starts to melt, and you have a kitchen fire on your hands. You're like, oh no, I wish I bought the teas made. Why? Why was I so against the teas I made? All right, okay, fair enough. I didn't think it through. Hubert, by this stage, had kind of accepted that his time as the leader of the innovation of suction had passed. He wrote a book in 1935 called The Origin of the Vacuum Cleaner. The Origin of Failure. And no, that's that's where he kind of left oh, it. Oh, no, he did his Ferris wheels, didn't he, and his, yeah. his bridges. Yeah, it's not like he needed to continue pioneering vacuum cleaner technology because he'd always, through this period, continued working as an engineer. He'd always hated them. <laughs> he'd been designing bridges all over the world yeah, this yeah. entire time. Oh, he's building bridges. So th- the vacuum cleaner was his side hustle. Yeah. He was always a civil engineer. He was always building large-scale projects. It's just he also had this little little idea that had actually yeah. gone on to be quite good. Goblin would continue to make the low-budget vacuums and teas maids until the 1980s. <clears throat> so were you, born, were you born whilst goblins were still coming out? Yes. Right. Just. Lucky. You are so lucky. Hubert was offered a knighthood for his work for the royal family mm. in keeping them clean. Yeah. And it. for his contribution to the war effort. Because during the war... <clears throat> there was a lot of mess. It was his machines that were cleaning the munitions factories, which had to be kept very clean, because obviously with that amount of gunpowder flying around the place, if dust ignited, you could have a massive explosion. What? Explain that again. Well, you've got... You're making... I'm joking. You're making all the gunpowder. <laughs> it's aerosolizing in small quantities. Aerosolizing. If you have matches, I'm going, or... to, re- I'm going to Google that after this because I don't think that's a real word. Aerosolizing is yes. Aerosolizing. Yes. It describes what it does. What do you think? Write in. <laughs> we don't have an address. <laughs> at this point, I don't even have an email. What will probably happen is at the end of these early ones, I will tack on a sort of after bit that I can just add into each one send me money (laughs) I want your money P.O. box feed me (laughs) so he's offered a a knighthood for that because it's very important work man you've got to keep those P.O. box feed me (laughs) F.E. D.M.E. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you like that one (laughs) So yeah, he was stupid. offered a knighthood by the royal family. He turned it down. Yes, I knew he did. He didn't want a knighthood. No, he wanted something bigger. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be king. <laughs> uh, he died in Croydon in oh, 1950. Poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that life and he died in Croydon. <laughs> he died in Croydon in 1955 at the age of 84. Oh, Christ. Why Croydon? What? Because that's where he lived. <laughs> Out of choice. He had enough money, he could have lived oh anywhere. God, he saw, I've lost all respect. He saw the entire world while building these bridges. He went to America. He went to Europe. He went all over Africa and India. He saw <laughs> the, you know, the steppes of Mongolia. <laughs> he went to the Himalayas. He went to Greenland, to Iceland. He saw all of these things and he thought, no. 
Croydon. Croydon. Croydon is the place for me. <laughs> it's convenient for the shops. It's grey. <laughs> it's just monotone Croydon. At the same time, as Hubert was breathing his last, a young boy by the name breathing of... Breathing his last what? Dusty breaths. Yes. Yes. At the same time... <laughs> That's what the podcast should be called. Dusty breaths. Dusty breaths. At the same time as Hubert's final filter was clogging up with silt, <laughs> a young boy by the name of James Dyson was preparing to start school at the exclusive Gresham School in Norfolk. He would go on to, to accept... tax. <laughs> he would go on to accept a knighthood. <laughs> And, yes, to evade tax. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> to, well, yeah. But, you know, Brexit. Oh, is that the end? That was, that was good, your Joe. story. So that... So how we normally end these things... Yeah. ...is I ask you to raise a toast to the, the star of our story, which will be Hubert Cecil Booth. I've drank my drink. Then raise your empty glass... Yeah. ...cup... To Hubert, <clears throat> are we gonna right? We're gonna do this on mic. No, this is this is for you to say something about Hubert and what he means to you now that you've learned a bit about his life. I've sort of lost all respect for the man. <laughs> I think it was it was nice that it was just like I'm I'm doing this for for my passion mm. and no other reason. Um, but then he died in Croydon. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if the listeners feel the same Well I will raise a glass to Hubert Cecil Booth Who proved that Setting a Guinness World Record Does not have to be the pinnacle of your oh, life Ferris wheel as well Yeah. Oh he was good wasn't he You don't have to peak in your I'll 20s with about. a Guinness World Record Yeah. You can go on to Become an innovator And you can You can be confident enough in your old age that despite what the naysayers might throw at you, you will continue to live in Croydon because that's where you've chosen to live. And you're yeah. a man who's comfortable in his own skin. You don't need a knighthood. Yeah. You know that you've cleaned Westminster Abbey. You don't need a knighthood. you got that on your resume. He's no Ryland, is he? <laughs> God, that guy's just... He's got charisma. He's doing everything. He is. Every, I think he's... It's just a, how does he? That's a proof that a positive, so a positive mental attitude will Amazing. take you so far. He's on the radio. He covered for Zoe Ball through it, didn't he? People loved him. I did not know that. Yeah, I, he's I, doing supermarket sweep. He's doing ready, steady, cut. Whoa! He's taking whoa. all the classics. I'm, I'm sorry. What? No, he might be charismatic, but he is not Dale Winton, and he is sure as hell not Ainsley Harriet. No, he's not. So he can fuck off. <laughs> but I'm not saying... He isn't blacked up for the... <laughs> Ainsley Harriet's still alive. And as far as I'm concerned, hasn't aged a day. No, he hasn't. And he's doing, he's, he's doing a Caribbean cooking as long show. As, as long as he's still getting good. work, because I love that man. He's not stepping into Ainsley Harriet's shoes. He is. He's, no, he's still violent. <laughs> he's still seven foot eight. He's not seven foot eight. <laughs> He's massive. He's a big man, but he's not that big. Yeah. I mean, have you seen some of the wrestlers who are over seven foot? It's ridiculous. God, I've seen them all, Joe. Yeah, have you? But, mm. uh, pff, Andre, you've got who you got? 
Hulkamaniacs. No, Hulk wasn't. The, uh, Hulk's uh, a racist jobber. The Great Carly. Yeah, Indian. Yeah. Indian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, miss good, I miss goodness gracious me <laughs> so much. Um, In fact, I miss all that's mid to late nineties. I know. <laughs> I miss all mid to late nineties sketch comedy troops. Big train, fast show. Goodness gracious fast me! Fast show's coming back. Oh, that's going to be terrible. They're doing a one-off episode. Is Johnny Depp going to be? We're involved? not sponsored by the BBC, by the way. <laughs> yeah, really it's on radio. We just BBC really hope two, that the BBC Cook. will pick this that's up. It. Half four weekdays. <laughs> we have. What else do we have? Well, they're talking about doing a, a follow-up to Ashes to Ashes. And you can find it lovely. all on the iPlayer and the BBC Sounds mm-hmm. app. Well, you can get Ashes to Ashes and Life on Mars currently on the BBC iPlayer and Ooh. the app. Is and it free, Joe? It is free. Of course it's free, because the BBC is paid for by the licence fee, which means that they can what provide... What about these people that want to move it, move it away to a subscription-based service? What would you well, say to them? I'd say that, to be honest, they're, they're quite selfish arseholes. <laughs> oh, no, I tried to fart on my bed. I was going to stink the room up. Yeah. Oh, that really smell at the moment. I'd say the difference between the BBC and, say, um, a Netflix yeah. or a Sky TV, if you will, is that you can sit in front of the BBC and you will watch Country File, something that you would never search for on Netflix, yeah. and you will enjoy that hour of Countryside Whimsy. Then you'll watch Antiques Roadshow and get emotionally invested in. I don't know, say an antique plate or... Oh, a plate. Yeah, some now kind you're of... speaking my language. Yeah, some kind of old war memorabilia. And you'll you'll hear that lovely thing, the British ooh, ooh. that's half, you know, genuine... Ooh. Yeah, the ooh. It, it's made up of half being genuinely pleased for the person and half really resenting them. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just beautiful. It yeah. On the way out. Yeah, just, just oh, you bastard. 